book lovers, and welcome to Rather Be Reading. You're Alyssa. And you're Persephone. Join us as we talk about our most recent reads and all things bookish. Here is the next chapter. Uh, So, (laughs) before we get into this episode, we have some details for a giveaway that we will be hosting, or are hosting. Will we? (laughs) Are? Are. We are. We are hosting it. We're doing it. <laughs> Post Damn it. will be up today. <laughs> that we are hosting on our Instagram page at Rather Be Reading Podcast. We're giving away some bookish items, including some stickers, a pin, a mug, a candle, a bookish journal, and a really cute bag that's made from old books, as well as some reading tags. This giveaway is open internationally, so anyone, please feel free to enter. To enter, you should be following us on our Instagram pat page. <laughs> on our pages. On our page. Our Instagram page. Um, please follow us on our Instagram page at Rather Be Reading Podcast. And DM us the answer to the would you rather question at the end of this episode. Make sure to like the giveaway post on Instagram as well. And good luck, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Woo! <laughs> good morning, Liz. Good morning. <laughs> We've got coffee. We've got coffee. It's, it's a great. chilly morning. Yeah. It's very cozy. So cozy. I love it. Mm. Perfect morning to talk about books. Yes, always. Every morning's a good. Every... That's, this is true. This is You're true. Not wrong. All right. <laughs> oh, do you have any updates, bookish or otherwise? Both, yes. Oh, fuck yeah. So, on the otherwise front, mm-hmm. um, I got bit by a squirrel this week. <laughs> what? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that mid no. sit for you. What yeah. happened? Where? Mm, on my finger. So, on I. On your finger? Yeah. Uh, you can't even see it anymore. Um, okay, story. Okay, so my toxic trait is thinking that I am like a Disney princess <laughs> so and I what? can like make friends with any animal that I see. Oh no. So there's this cemetery that's like a 15 minute walk from our house that Rusty and I walk to a few times a week with peanuts because there are a ton of squirrels there. <laughs> um, and I have taken to hand feeding the squirrels. Um, yes. So most of the time it's fine. Like most of the t- like we'll get like fifteen to twenty squirrels around us in this park. Like all coming up, we're we're like some of them are really skittish, and you like can't hand feed them, so you just toss it. But the older ones, they will come like right up to you, and they are so gentle. They're like very delicately, just like oh, just take this, like really really tenderly take this peanut from your hand. Cute. But the last time we went was a little bit frantic because there were a lot more squirrels there than mm. usual. And we were kind of running out of peanuts. And there was this, you know, there were like three or four squirrels around me. I'm just like, you know. Yeah, yeah, doing your happy little. Yeah, I'm in my element. Um, (laughs) Thinking that all these squirrels are bonding with me. And then one comes from like behind me. Uh And I see him and I grab this peanut. And I like, so I'm like kind of at an angle. Uh And my finger was the first thing that presented to the squirrel. And it's at the end of our time there, my fingers smelled like peanuts. Yeah. The squirrel just had no idea. It was not the squirrel's fault. It grabbed my finger. And it drew just the tiniest little bit of blood. But it did draw blood. And I was like, oh, dang it. You know, like, fuck, I got bit by a squirrel. (laughs) I'm one of those people. Because we've had a couple people. I work at an urgent care clinic. And we've had a couple people come in for squirrel bites. And they're always like, so hum- wrong with Yeah, you? they're always so humiliated. Like, oh my god, I got bit by a squirrel, and I was like, 
the whole time I'm always like, okay, when's this going to be me? But like, <laughs> there is some judgment from everyone there. Like, what is this idiot doing trying to pet a squirrel? To be fair, I never try and pet the squirrels. I just hand feed them. Just That's my line. I'm not going to invade their privacy like that. <laughs> they have the choice to come up and take the peanut from you my You just want to give them nuts. Yeah. You just want to give them nuts. Yeah. That but, sucks. Yeah. Hardly anything. Hardly anything. Already better. But Did you have to get like any... I called my PCP. Uh Um, My main concern was like rabies, but Uh it's like super, super rare. And Mm. they only really are concerned with like rabies if it's like an unprovoked attack. Yeah. Um, Like this, or the animal's acting really weird. And this animal's not acting weird. It was not unprovoked. And I called my my primary care provider. I was like, hey, so I got bit by a squirrel this morning. (laughs) Um, What do I need to do? And she was just like, are you up to date with your Tdap? And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm up to date. And she was like, okay, you should probably be evaluated anyway, just in case. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, but they didn't have an appointment that day. Mm-hmm. And so I never went. Um, yeah, you're like, I'm fine. <laughs> I was like, we're going to roll the dice here. It's fine. Disney it princesses didn't get rabies. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't look infected. Whatever. We're good to go. <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully I don't die of rabies, but... Oh my god, how long ago was this? This was on Tuesday, I want to say. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so There's weekend. no, like, foam of the mouth. No foaming. <laughs> I don't seem too feral. Beautiful. Not any more than usual, at least. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of, like, that... Have you seen those videos of that guy who feeds all the raccoons the hot dogs? No! <laughs> You're going to have to send that to me. I will. <laughs> Please. It's, he literally just has this giant bucket of hot dogs. Oh and God. then all these raccoons just like flock. Oh my God. And he's like enthusiastically just handing them to them. And they're little like rodent. Are they rodents? Rodent hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are oh just, my God, like, they're so cute. They're so oh, cute. Oh, see, that's me. I'm like, I'm <laughs> jealous of yeah. that guy. I want to be hand feeding raccoons <laughs> hot dogs. I mean, you're hand feeding squirrels nuts. So I feel yeah. like you're like well on your way. Will I continue to? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I it wasn't even in a fact, question in as my I'm mind. bleeding I'm like alright I have four more nuts left though so <laughs> any takers yes exactly might be bloody but <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. insane yeah well I'm glad you're okay I'm okay yeah. it was just an accidental mm-hmm. you know yeah just hungry, hungry just hungry squirrel mistaking my finger for a peanut can't blame it oh that's um, so cute yeah so that's my only life update um <laughs> um <laughs> As far as book updates go, I have one. Okay. So I just heard about this. There is an author who is suing the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power show um, for copyright. Hell for, yeah. Um, well, hold on. Oh, shit. So the shit. book they wrote, are you familiar with Lord of the Rings? I've seen um, Rings of Power. Okay. And I've seen all the movies. Perfect. And I read The Hobbit. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. You know enough. Um, this author... Um, the book that he wrote is called The Fellowship of the King. <laughs> and it is based off of the Lord of the Rings Stop. books. <laughs> I know. I can't. I can't. I know. I know. So he's suing the Lord of the Rings show for copyright based on his book that is based on the Lord of the Rings books. <laughs> sir, um, sir, just yeah. show yourself out. <laughs> Supposedly there are like 15 verbatim direct like <laughs> copies of like poems and Tolkien lore in this book. 
And I'm just like, how is this a thing? How are you going to do that? Um, I don't think he's been successful yet. uh, TBD. It's insane. Yeah. What? I know. I thought that was just wild. I was like, this is hilarious. Sometimes I feel like with those people too, I'm like, what is your life like? Like, what is your sense of self like? I know. Like, how inflated you must feel. Is your ego that you're like, excuse me, this idea came from my book. Yes, it's loosely based. Admittedly, it's loosely based on Lord of the Rings, but yeah, excuse me, J.R.R. Tolkien <laughs> plagiarized that? me. Yeah. <laughs> He's dead. That's fine. <laughs> he still plagiarized yeah, exactly. me. This was all my idea. Oh, I just thought that was hilarious. That's insane. Yeah. Oh my god. I swear, the truth is stranger than fiction. It truly, sometimes. truly. Jesus. That's okay. So funny. How about you? What are your updates for this week? I have okay. Clipboard. Yes. <laughs> you have a list. I feel prepared this Love week. Love it. Okay, so, oh, I read, um, I probably won't talk about them just because they're graphic novels and they go by so fast, Mm -hmm. but I read the fourth book in the Saga series. Have you heard of the Saga graphic novel? Um, only because you posted about it. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, nice. What's it about? Basically, the first book, I actually think you'd really like it. It is sci-fi, fantasy-ish, but the first book there is this like couple that's on the run the they're like a hetero couple so the woman's pregnant and the guy is like they're just running together mm-hmm. whatever so <laughs> whatever they're doing great start okay <laughs> and then she gives birth and then you find out that the narrator is like the child oh um so it's told later but she's like narrating her parents story okay and so they both come from two the dad and mom both come from two different worlds that like are at like just I don't know they're like battling they like hate each other they're like feuding there's a giant war down for it um a lot of people have like already died so like there are a lot of like really high stakes but these two people fell in love and got married and they are having like a baby so it's like (gasps) a new race Mm -hmm. and so they're kind of like on the run so that people won't try to like steal their baby anyways (laughs) it's a whole thing nice um but it's like it's really good nice yeah it's really good the main characters you just like love um and it's really interesting to hear from the perspective of like the child child. yeah i like that yeah and like all the creatures and like characters like the child's nanny is this character who was like killed i think in the war so she's a ghost but like it's only like her torso and like it's just like stuff like that all these like nitty-gritty like specific characteristics it's yeah, just so good love it that it's sounds so great yeah yeah there are like 66 books in this holy series. guacamole i know it's and you've just finished four i just finished four you got a lot to go girly i got a lot to go <laughs> i ordered five so that's nice. great but yeah i think it's still going right too. on seth rogan has a memoir what <laughs> i know <laughs> I did not know that. I know. Kyle actually saw it. We were at, like, Paper Source. Okay. Um, just, like, browsing. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my God, are you fucking kidding me? And he, like, picks it up. Seth Rogen has a memoir, everyone. All right. And the only endorsement... It's so annoyingly endearing because on the back, the only endorsement 
is literally a quote from his mom. Oh my god, that's so fucking cute. <laughs> I know. Okay, but legit, I would read a Seth Rogen memoir. I know. I really like Seth Rogen. <laughs> I do. I'm like, dang, he's definitely like quirky, awkward, endearing. Yes. And I hate it, but I love it. Yes. I love it so much. Uh-huh, 100%. Uh, yeah. Good to know. I know. <laughs> so wild. And his mom's so cute. She's like, I wish there wasn't like so much drug use, but like, but she's like, but really? I just wish he'd call me more. <laughs> like, Every mom ever. Yeah, like, oh, that's so precious. That's cute. Oh, two more small, small bookish updates. There's a Japanese bookstore in downtown. Did you know that? I did not. Where is it? It's fucking cool. It's, I think it's on 9th, but it's called Kino Kuniya, Portland. Okay. And they have, um, like, manga and, nice. like, a bunch of manga and they have, like, a bunch of art supplies and they have a bunch of, like, Studio Ghibli, like, nice. stuff. So cool. So cool. Yeah. Um, so Kyle had been there before, but I never had, so we went in yesterday. It's so cool. It's so, so cool. Oh, um, I'll have to go. Yeah. I almost got, I was thinking of your friend, Alyssa. Yeah. Because I was, and I was telling Kyle, I was like, shit, like, I know that Alyssa recommended some manga series, like, uh-huh. when we were at dinner, um, but I couldn't remember them. Yeah. But I was like, fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I almost got one called, it's like Spy X Spy Family. Family? Yeah! Okay, I know both Alyssa and Sam have recommended that book. Really? Or there, and there's also a show, I think. Oh, that's really okay. good. Yeah, oh. Spy Family. Yes. That might be the one that she actually said you should... But yeah, yeah, she yeah. said it's really good. I saw it, and I almost bought it. I was so close. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, I have the first book in like three different manga series <laughs> at home, and I was like, fuck, I shouldn't. I but know. I want to. I know. Um, I've started a rule for yeah. myself that with series, I have to finish a series before I can start a new series because otherwise I'll be like one book deep into like 12 different series and I'm yes. like okay I have to finish a series first <laughs> before I keep going yes <laughs> so it's true I feel I feel that way with like just books in general mm-hmm. like I'll start like eight and then I'm like okay let's commit to right <laughs> figure <Jeez>. it out <laughs> and then the last last update I have is I was looking for my book I was writing notes and I wanted to make sure I spelled all the characters names right because I listened to it Mm -hmm. and I read along in some parts when I could but um but I found this book blog that's called smart bitches trashy books that sounds excellent (laughs) and their slogan is all the romance none of the bullshit So just it's a blog out to them. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's so Solid. cool. Smart bitches, trashy books. Isn't that hilarious? That's excellent. I, I was so Fantastic. excited. So pleased. So finally, <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but finally I read House in the Cerulean Sea. Oh, okay. I'm excited to hear about it. Oh my God. This book is such a treasure. I can't. So I'm actually not going to spoil spoils I'm just gonna like do a little setup because I just loved it so much and I know you want to read it yes and it was so good Ah, I just wanted to have like the full effect on everyone I didn't really know much about this book but then after you were telling me it was kind of loosely based on the schools in um Canada Mm -hmm. that like steal indigenous children and kind of like assimilate them Mm -hmm. gross I was like kind of thinking about that like that was in the back of my mind as I was reading this Mm -hmm. and it makes sense now I see that so 
House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune. Mm-hmm. We start with Linus Baker. He is the, our main character, and he has this really cute thing where every time he's just overwhelmed or flustered, he just goes, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> it's so precious. That's so much more calming than my fucking hell. I know, I'm like, good. <laughs> it's so cute. He just... Oh dear, as this child's like <laughs> levitating. <laughs> He's like, whoa. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> it opens with him conducting this inspection. He works as like a compliance inspector for Dykemy, which is the department in charge of magical youth. And so he is like their star employee. He goes out to these orphanages. Um, and we'll just inspect to make sure that everything is up to code. He's very like, I. it is all about the children and also not about the children because like he doesn't really allow his emotions to get involved. He's like, this is a workspace. I'm just making sure that they check all of these boxes mm-hmm. like to the letter mm-hmm. of, of the code that we've established. So Dykeme is part of the government and so it is a government-funded program. So he, again, is, like, their star employee. When you see him return to, like, their office space, it's, like, so corporate yuck. It's so <laughs> gross. His cubicle is on, like... Oh, uh, not a cubicle. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's, no shame if you like cubicles. <laughs> right. I just can't imagine. No judgment. No judgment. <laughs> but his cube is on, like, row H cube seven like it's something just so corporate-y yeah he has no demerits which i didn't know they did that for work but maybe that's just not a demerit i always thought of that as like a school thing right yeah demerits yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's corporate world so they gotta 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 dish out some sort of negative (laughs) (laughs) make an example of right exactly (laughs) and so he has this boss who is just you can just picture her like all the sharp cheekbones and like just the like snooty nose in the air like mm-hmm. tight no nonsense bun and her little minion assistant who just follows her like a puppy dog <laughs> so her name the his boss her name's miss jenkins and her assistant is gunther <laughs> gunther, gunther. <laughs> and he just like kind of hobbles around behind her with a clipboard being like <laughs> when people get in trouble <laughs> so good so they walk up to linus and they're like you've received a letter from extremely upper management (laughs) you have a meeting tomorrow morning with them and he's like oh dear oh dear (laughs) oh fucking hell hell. (laughs) and so he is like oh god okay and then goes home and where he lives i don't think they specify the city but where he lives, it's raining all the time, kind of like here, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest slurp ever. I know, it just got all over me. I'm sorry, <laughs> that was gross. Um, Didn't even notice. <laughs> Could hear it. Couldn't yeah. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so it's always raining. He goes home. Um, he's on his front doorstep, and he hears the voice of his super annoying neighbor, who's just this classic, like, old nosy neighbor she kind of reminds okay this is embarrassing but did you ever watch like growing up did you ever watch like spongebob yeah yes (laughs) do you remember there was an episode where they're they're like going around trying to sell chocolate and there's this old lady and she's got this like 
coarse voice and she's yeah. like oh, i remember chocolate yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a, a three pack a day smoker yeah. Yeah. that is miss clapper okay. his neighbor <laughs> <laughs> the fish from spongebob okay <laughs> yes shriveled old yeah. chocolate lady so she's like what are you doing over there? Okay, you have to do that voice anytime, <laughs> anytime. she talks. It's so hard. Thank God she's like not a big character. <laughs> I would just but she's all pissed off because his cat, Calliope, that he adopted um, has been in her yard. And then she's all like, why are you all alone all the time, Linus Baker? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, Miss Clapper, I'm happy. And she's like... I got a son who's an accountant. <laughs> She's like trying to set him up. Hook him He's up. Like, oh my Whoa. god. So he goes inside <laughs> and you meet Calliope, and it's so endearing because the way that he describes his cat is how I think anyone describes their cat. Oh, love it's it. Like, He's a cat person. Yes. Oh, love. Like begrudgingly. He's like, <laughs> I hate you. You're this a monster. Stupid gremlin, but yes. God, you have my heart. <laughs> yeah, would not trade you for anything, yeah. but you don't need to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so super precious. I mean, just kind of see his like home life of just him and Calliope, this rainy house, this nosy neighbor. He's like, I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm good at my job. Been there for 17 years. Whatever. So then the next morning he goes to extremely upper management. His meeting. His meeting. And he goes in and it's very much like it's dark and then he goes into the center of this floor and then it like illuminates and it's just all extremely upper management all around. Of course, they're so dramatic, just sitting there in the dark waiting until he gets to the right spot and then <laughs> flicking on the lights yeah. and they're all... They're like judgment face. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone ready? Everyone ready? Yes. <laughs> um, and so he's like, why am I here? <laughs> but they have basically tasked him with going to this orphanage to conduct an investigation about the ongoings of you know how how this orphanage is being run making sure that they're up to code investigating um any like non any like non-conforming behavior Mm -hmm. that's like would constitute like being reprimanded Mm -hmm. and then ultimately at the end um making a recommendation as to whether or not they should continue business i guess or continue to fund marcius orphanage and so he is tasked with staying there for a month okay so he goes home packs he's like oh dear (laughs) um he's gonna take care of calliope he takes her with him yes so cute love so cute yeah so he takes her with him and then it's this yeah sets off with kitty cat calliope (laughs) (laughs) as any adventure should start yes um and he takes a train to this village that's at the very end of the train line and it's like along the coast um it's a village it kind of reminded me of like kiki's delivery service oh. village energy Love. right by the sea oh so cute that's my dream yeah magical yes magical magical and the sun is shining which he hasn't seen the sun in forever um and so then he gets off of the train and meets zoe who is an unregistered sprite. Cute. She owns the island that the orphanage is located on. Okay. Um, and so 
she kind of helps the with the children and um, with the orphanage master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question. Question, Question in the back. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, what does unregistered mean? Yeah, so because Linus Baker works for the government, like all magical beings are supposed to be like registered okay. in the system. Okay. Um, just so that the government can like keep their Tabs stupid on. little eyes yeah. on them. Yeah. And is so Linus is not magical. I'm he assuming. is not magical. Okay. Yeah, he is extraordinarily ordinary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he's like I know what you are. And she's like, that's your problem already. Like, you said you know what I am, but you don't know who I am. Aw. I know. Oh, <laughs> so good. Statement of the mirror. I know. <laughs> Ugh. So, um, he kind of gets, like, whipped into shape yeah. real quick. They drive through the village to get to the ferry to go to the island. Um, and all the villagers just look at them with just like absolute disdain and disgust mm-hmm. and he's like why is everyone so weird and she's like they just like prejudice like lives in them like mm-hmm. they don't understand like the orphanage and the children never come off of the island and so it's just kind of how it's been mm-hmm. um and you find out that the government has been paying the villagers not to talk about like the magical use um, and not to say anything. Okay. And so they go to the fairy with the super grouchy fairy man. <laughs> he takes them across to the island and they drive up the hill to the house. Linus opens the door to the car and immediately, I just thought it was so chilling but also like wonderful, immediately just hears the sound of like, children laughter like (laughs) a child's laughter that can either be horrific or heartwarming (laughs) yeah and for him at this point it's more horrific he just got the files of all of the children and um the the master of the house um arthur and has been slowly kind of like going through them but stopped because there's one child who's six years old um, whose name is Lucy, and he's like, oh, a child named Lucy, like, a, a boy named Lucy, like, that's weird, but it's like, no, it's not, and also, it's short for Lucifer, <laughs> he's literally the son of Satan, yes. <laughs> and he's like, oh, dear, <laughs> oh, yeah. and so he was just freaked the fuck out, and so he was like, okay, I'm done reading these, yeah. <laughs> and so he is determined determined to do his job he's like regardless of my fear like I have a job to do I'm gonna do a fine job at that job and like I'm qualified I have no demerits and I'm gonna conduct my investigation to the best of my ability and then I'm gonna like GTFO yeah yeah (laughs) Um, my month's up I am out of you yeah bye (laughs) and so as soon as he gets out, he lets Calliope out, and she bolts. And he's no. like, fuck. So <laughs> oh, dear. The, oh, dear. <laughs> and so he walks to the back of the house to try to find her and, like, chase after her. And he meets the first child. She is a garden gnome. Um, she just loves to garden. She's always out, like, toiling in her garden. Cute. Her name is Talia, and she has a gnome beard 
It's okay. so cute. cute. She's like, it's soft. Oh. <laughs> I know. She has her gnome beard and mustache, and she's just round and cute and loves to be outside. Love. But also has this, like, edge to her. Like, at one point she gets mad at Linus, and she's like, I'm going to bury you alive. Like, I'm <laughs> digging a hole right now, and it's for you. <laughs> so that's Talia. And then we meet Fee, who is also a sprite, and so she spends a lot of time with Zoe, who kind of like teaches her how to have like control over her powers and stuff. And then we meet Theodore, who is a wyvern. Cute. I, I had to Google what that was. Oh, really? You know what that is? Yeah. Okay, cool. It's type of dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. just they just have their back legs. Yeah. They don't have their, their arms. front arms. Yeah. 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 And they, their arms are like their wings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's, like, a tiny little little wyvern who always wants, like, coins. Like, he's collecting these little scraps and stuff. And Linus is like, I don't have anything. Because Talia is like, he can find your, like, this is Theodore, the wyvern. Like, he can find your cat. And she's like, well, aren't you going to pay him? And he's like, I don't have any, like, coins. Like, I don't have any money, like, on me. Yeah. And she's like, well, give him anything. So he gives... Um, Theodore a button <laughs> and it becomes his like favorite possession oh god they're it's all so, so cute. cute he like loves it later at dinner like Zoe's like Theodore told me that you gave him a button and he just it's his favorite gift it's so, so cute, cute. <laughs> so cute and then later we meet Chauncey who is part jellyfish part <laughs> question mark <laughs> nobody really knows what he is but he's kind of this gelatinous being who okay. leaves kind of a slime trail wherever he goes <laughs> he has tentacles and he has like eyes on stalks kind of like a snail um and he's just gooey uh-huh. and kind of like translucent a little bit and his dream in life is to be a bellhop Oh, it's so, so cute. cute. It's so cute. Oh my god. At some point he gets like a bellhop hat and it's just precious. He like wears it between his like eye stalks. Oh, it's like stop. so good. Oh my god, I can see so, how this would just melt the heart. It is so wonderful. Yeah. It is so wonderful. Ugh. Yeah. So that's Chauncey and then we have Sal. He's this really like big kid, but he's a shifter and he shifts into a Pomeranian. <laughs> and he's really shy, but like Calliope, the cat, loves him. Aww. And she's like the first person that like she'll meow to. Oh. And he's like, I like cats. Aww. Even though he's like a Pomeranian yeah. shifter, he's yeah. like, I really like cats. Aww. And he loves to write. He wants to be a writer. So he, but he's so shy. He'll type on his little typewriter in his closet. Oh. That's so cute. Lastly, we have Lucy, the son of Satan. Linus, when he is finally talking to the headmaster, is like, You've got the fucking antichrist in your house. And he's like, we don't say that term. (laughs) But Lucy is like all talk, like all bark, no bite. And he's just a devious little child who wants to explore everything and like wants to try new things and wants to go on adventures with his housemates, his friends. And he loves music, so he has his own little... He's, like, a six-year-old who loves music, so he mm-hmm. loves, like, Bobby Darren, 
so sweet and um has this little record collection <laughs> so precious and then we meet arthur parnassus who's the head of the house who just adores each of these children yeah. like every one of them gets their own kind of like individual time to work on whatever they want to work on so like sal writes chauncey practices bell hopping in the mirror (laughs) (laughs) um talia's out in the garden fee spends time with zoe like learning how to grow flowers um and lucy loves to like listen to music and dance so cute and um when they get there when linus gets there um and has his initial meeting with arthur parnassus um arthur's like orphanage like the term orphanage is a misnomer because that's operating under the assumption that anyone's going to take these children Mm. and we know that's not true Mm. like these are magical children that like everyone is so afraid of Mm. that like especially like with chauncey who's like this kind of mass of squish and tentacles Mm -hmm. um you know everyone just thought that he was like a monster that belonged under like a bed that was like you know in children's like nightmares and so he like chauncey will sleep under linus's bed sometimes (laughs) but it's like it stems from everyone believing that that's what he was or that's what he is and so that's what he does okay and then with lucy like he everyone expects him to be evil so he has like he can make his eyes like glow red (laughs) and make his teeth all like sharp and scary (laughs) and um has these like really (laughs) like gross threats of like i'm going to eat you alive and like i'm gonna (laughs) peel your skin like it's super like gross yeah but it's just because everyone expects that right. of him and right. so he kind of puts on this front but like you see throughout that like he's just a child who like wants to play yeah. and like loves his family yeah it's really precious yeah, it's, it's yeah it's so cute so it the whole book is really about like the expectations of the children versus the reality of the children right. um and about being loved yeah so precious it's so precious and so um arthur and linus slowly kind of develop like a little oh there's like a little yeah a little romantic uh Uh time you know Uh but it's yeah so that's kind of where i'll leave them um a lot of things happen and they go on adventures and slowly like these children start to chip away worm their way into linus's heart yeah it's oh it's such a delightful experience oh i bet it gives me the like warm fuzzies just hearing you talk about it i'm like oh my goodness so precious yeah so it's it's really fun to to read yeah so my thoughts were Five out of five, hundred <laughs> percent. It's worth every ounce of praise. Six out of five. It's so yeah, it's so cute. I literally was like crying my guts out the last like forty pages. Love. I was like, oh, it's so good. And I feel like there's a very specific type of book where I've only had this a few times. Where once I finish it, all I can do is just sit there and like hug it. Yes. It was a huggable yes. one. Yes. Oh, I yeah. love that. I was like, oh, God, this is so good. Yeah. Um, And it reminded me of, like, 
this okay super embarrassing but like in middle school I had this like fat crush it was like my first crush (laughs) ever and I remember we were at a school dance and my crush went to go sit on the bleachers and then I went over to sit on the bleachers too and I had just watched the Titanic for the first time so (laughs) and this is relevant because (laughs) I started talking about the Titanic to my crush in middle school and I was so overcome with emotion, I started crying. Oh my god! Out of school days. Okay, but Titanic really was one of the most emotional Holy movies fuck. I've ever seen. Okay. Yeah, I was like, this is not okay. Yeah. I'm not okay. And I was like, you're like playing. My heart will go on in your head and just <laughs> yeah. sobbing as you're talking to your crush. Yeah. I was just like, it's just so sad. That's hilarious. And then literally, he gets a phone call. On his flip phone, flips it up, and he looks at me. Goes, I gotta go. (laughs) I need to take this. This is a very important business call. I must go. (laughs) About I don't know what, but it's important. Bye. He's like, what the hell? This girl sobbing, talking about the Titanic. And that is low-key how I feel about House in the Serenity. Just that passion. You want to sob while talking about it? Yeah. it's just so good. <laughs> and so that's what it reminds me of, just that same level of just absolute adoration. I like, love it. Never experienced something so wonderful. I loved the warmth and the coziness of the mm-hmm. home. And because Linus is there to conduct kind of like this investigation and inspect, um, at a certain point he needs to inspect each of the children's rooms to make sure that it's not like dangerous to themselves or others and so as each child like opens up to Linus and like kind of accepts Linus into their hearts they also accept him into their rooms and so he gets to see them in their space and gets to appreciate like who they are Mm -hmm. and like what their room is like Mm -hmm. their individuality and their yeah and um Lucy's room is in Arthur's Arthur's room. It's like a walk-in closet. And Linus is like, well, don't you think it's problematic that you have a child sleeping in your room? And he's like, no. Like, he's in a walk-in closet in his own space, but, like, he's just a child and he gets really bad nightmares. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so, super, super sweet. And then... In so many ways, this book is about returning home, and after reading it, all I want to do is return home to the pages of this Oh, book. I love that. It was so good. One of those books where you finish and like, I want to reread it again. Yeah. I want to experience it all over again. Oh, oh yes. I love it. It was so good. Yeah. So meaningful and powerful, and I said, this book is about being loved for who we are, celebrating ours and each other's complexities, and the fear and vulnerability that comes with feeling like we belong, yeah. like actually belong. Oh, I love it. It was I love really, that. really sweet. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. So, so good. And then I have like four fave quotes. Okay. So yes. one is when, so Lucy does end up having a nightmare. It kind of causes all this destruction like when he does he's like dreaming about all this like 
terrifying stuff as just a, a little baby child. Some of his records break, which is really sad. And he's like, when Linus goes to the house, because he's in the guest house, when he goes to the main house to check in, uh, Lucy is like passed out, but like levitating. <laughs> <laughs> And Arthur is, like, whispering to him, and he's like, it's okay, you're safe, you're with me, like, you're home, you're loved. Like, it's just so sweet. And so then after Lucy wakes up, he, like, cries. He's like, it was so scary, my records are broken. (laughs) My records are broken. (laughs) That's kind of when Linus first sees him as the child that he is. Yeah. And Zoe kind of says at the beginning when she's driving him up the island, she's like, I just, all I ask is that you remember that these are children. Yeah. That's the first time that Linus really sees Lucy as a child as opposed to like the anti-anti-Christ. Right. (laughs) Lucy, so Arthur's going to take care of the other children, make sure they're okay after Lucy wakes up from the nightmare. And then Linus is kind of tucking him back into bed. Lucy's talking about like how magical Linus is and Linus goes I'm afraid I don't have magic and then Lucy as he's falling asleep goes you do Mr. Baker Arthur told me that there can be magic in the ordinary oh so cute (laughs) so sweet and then there's one where Arthur is talking to Linus about how um all the children have time for their own pursuits and he goes, we should always make time for the things we like. If we don't, we might forget how to be happy. <laughs> so true. So true. So true. So true. And then when they were talking about just the villagers and the prejudice that they have towards this these like magical youth, I don't remember who says it, but someone's like, people suck, but sometimes they should just drown in their own suckage without our help. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one, which is near the end, but like so sweet. Um, is talking about after Linus kind of, because he has to submit his reports and make his final recommendation to, to Dykeme and go back to his corporate setting. Life. Yeah. There's this quote about him and he goes, he would have shouted for all to hear that he'd seen what a world looks like with color in it, with happiness, with joy. Oh. So, Just pull on your little heartstrings. I know. Oh, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> So good. So that was House in the Cerulean Sea. My only like sadness is that I didn't read it sooner. It was yeah. so good. I thought the narrator did a really good job and um, Oh nice. That's good. Yeah, he did. He he did a really good job and um I had seen some bookstagrammers talking about how they like to listen to the audiobook and read along. Oh, okay. And I'd never done that yeah. before, so I tried it with this one, and it was really great. You liked it? I did like it. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was really nice. I've never done that before. Yeah, I hadn't either, so I thought I would give it a try. And I bet it would yeah. help my retention, because when yeah. I'm listening to like an audiobook, I don't always take it in, but I think the duel would be like just boost yes yeah it was nice because i i felt like it also kind of like tuned out everything else yeah. so i didn't get as distracted right. and i feel like um i didn't fall asleep as fast okay usually That's when i win. read i'll like fall get asleep in like sleepy. five pages yeah. yeah but this i was able to like actually concentrate um yeah. He just hooked you. It's oh, it's so good. So will you read more TJ Clue? Yes. He's got two. So he has he has kind of a I think a lot of books. I have one of his other ones that's 
down there above Geek Love, um, The Extraordinaries. Okay. That's by him. I don't really know what it's about, but I want to read it. And then he has Under the Whispering Whispering Door. Door. And then I forgot that he has this other one, In the Lives of Puppets. Yes. Wait. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he has, I think his most recent one is the In the Lives of Puppets. And then he's got a new one coming out too that sounds really intriguing to me. Oh yeah, Wolf Song. So he's got two books coming out. What? Wait, no, they're already out. This is 2015, but I I hadn't heard of it until now. But the, there's one called Wolf Song and then one called like Raven. Ooh. Because I saw the, I saw the cover and I was like, that looks beautiful. Dang. I don't think I've ever heard of that because they're getting special editions that's what uh, it was they're oh. getting special edition covers and i was like, oh. yeah, like yeah. i thought they were new but apparently they're not it says it's from 2015 dang but they must just be getting a reboot since he's um becoming so popular yeah that is one of the things i i love about seeing like authors gain popularity yeah is just seeing when their original books like yeah get re-released yeah yes yeah. with like Cool covers. Glow up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So good. But. So you'll be reading more TJ Clue. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So good. <laughs> so good. Nice. All right. What did you read? So this I'm week, so excited. I read I read a book called The Bone Ships Ooh. by R.J. Barker. Oh! Um, I've, it's one of those books that I've had for a really long time mm-hmm. but have not read until now, oh. obviously. <laughs> um, but I went into this pretty blind. I had no idea what it was about, and I ended up really, really mm. liking it. So How did you hear about it? I think it's one that we just liked the cover of. It's a really cool cover. And picked it up. Because I haven't heard many people talk about it, honestly. Um, yeah. I hadn't even read the back. Okay, but I will read the back because actually it's a pretty good little... Because it's it's kind of a complex story. Mm-hmm. Not story, but it's like got a lot of world building in it. It takes place on like another archipelago? Is that how we say it? Yes. Archipelago? Archipelago, okay. yes. yes. On another archipelago, and it's like a fantasy world. But it's... All of its ecology and like its animals are like completely different. And they have, they use certain words that are different. So it took for, it took me a while to like kind of understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. But the kind of general synopsis is, For generations, the fleets of the Hundred Isles have built their ships from the bones of ancient dragons to fight an endless war. The dragons disappeared, but the battles for supremacy persisted. Okay, then we'll stop there because the rest of it's actually spoilers. But, so basically it's just, it's two archipelagos that are separated by um, like a spine of kind of like mountainous, um, islands mm-hmm. and so there's the hundred isles on one side and then the other side is the gaunt isles and they've mm-hmm. been at war for a long time mm-hmm. it's kind of been lost why they're kind of at war okay. but now they're at war because each side kind of steals the other's children mm-hmm. and uses them for a specific purpose spooky so we'll kind of get into that because there's some kind of background but in this world ships are super important because that's where the battles are fought or on water it's fleets of ships and they're built from the bones of these ancient water dragons called uh, Arachesian Arachesians Arachesians fantasy books are always so hard because I pronounce things in my head yeah and then sometimes they're hard to say aloud and they're probably not the right pronunciation but Arachesians um Arachesians for short and do you say the word in your head or whenever I read those like words I'm like blah, 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 in my I, I usually do say it in my nice. head unless it's like a really complex word yeah. in which case I kind of just 
blurb through it. But <laughs> anyway, so these ships are built from the bones of Artesians, but they're they're no longer around. So the ships kind of are all falling apart. They're finding different substitutes to keep these ships together. Cool. And so in their battles, as they're taking children, they're also kind of taking ships for their parts. Um, their bones, that sort of thing. Cool. So the book starts out, it's told in the perspective of Joran, and he, in in the start of this book, is kind of getting his ass handed to him. He's humiliated <laughs> over a hat. What? So, <laughs> so some backstory. So um, Joran's a shipwife, which is basically a captain of a ship. Uh-huh. He's pretty young, though. I think he's supposed to be around 20-ish. Okay. And he's the shipwife of a black ship called the Tide Child. Shipwife is a captain. A black ship is a ship that is dedicated to the dead or like people who are condemned to death. Uh-huh. So he's the captain of this ship. He's been contem- condemned to this ship. And the hat that he is be- getting is humiliated over is the shipwife's hat. It's a specific hat that the shipwife or the captain of the ship wears. Uh-huh. So he's basically being confronted over his hat, which is the rulership of the ship. And Joran is this kind of drunk, alcoholic young man. He's a shitty captain. Mm. Um, his ship is not in workable order. And the person who is coming after his ship is a woman in her... I, it doesn't give an age, but she's got, like, gray in her hair. I imagine her in her, like, 50s. Oh, okay. And her name is Mias, or Lucky Mias, mm-hmm. is, is how she's kind of known for. First line is, give me your hat. <laughs> um, and he's like, who the fuck wants my hat? Like, I'm the captain of a black ship. Like, mm-hmm. we're condemned to death. Who's trying to take my hat? And he's like, no, I'm not going to give you my hat. Yeah. And um, so they whip out their sword and they're about to duel him. And as this person comes into a life, he's like, oh shit, that's Lucky Mias. And she's this famed shipwife. She's the daughter of the ruler of like the Hundred Isles. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really interesting because the Hundred Isles is this matriarch- matriarchal society where the ruling class is women who are fertile. Mm-hmm. So she's the do- one of the daughters. Just this woman has many daughters, but of this kind of ruling, the ruler of the Hundred Isles. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fuck like i'm gonna lose here this is the end um <laughs> this is the end. right at the beginning he's super doomed he's like god damn it i need a drink right now like why am i not drunk for this why did i say no why didn't i just give her my hat damn it but then he's also like why is she, what, what did she do to want to be the cap like need to be the captain of a black ship like she's been condemned in some way but she's this famed leader what the fuck's going on yeah yeah, yeah. basically he gets his ass handed to him in like two moves flat and but she doesn't kill him and he's like Okay. He leads her back to the ship that she's now the captain of, Mm -hmm. because she wins his hat. Um, (laughs) And so they get back to this ship, and it's in utter disarray. Like, before they even get to the ship, he's, like, all embarrassed, because he's like, oh, God, I'm with Lucky Mias. She's this famed ruler, and I can smell the ship from here. Like, it smells disgusting. Um, It's dirty. It's stinky. The crew are all drunks. It's disorderly. Like, there's no sort of authority or, like, no one's working. Like, no one knows what they're doing, basically. Yeah. Mias is like, oh, God, we've got a lot of work to do. Makes Joran <laughs> second in command, which the there's... A whole bunch of different like terminology for the crew of a ship. The second in command is called the deck keeper. She makes Jorn the deck keeper, and Jorn's kind of like, "Why? <laughs> like you just beat me, but okay. Like I'm not gonna complain." Mm-hmm. But this kind of makes an enemy of someone else, the person who was deck keeper before, mm-hmm. although not very good at it because the ship's in in disarray. So he's, <laughs> but anyway. Mias kind of rouses the crew, gets them all together. They're not altogether amenable to being roused, and they're kind of like. 
they're all drunks. They're all not used to this. They've, they're used to Joran's leadership where he lets them do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. But she gets them all together, gets the ship up and moving, and Dang. she's like, we're sailing out. We're going to go to this island that's about to be attacked by the Gaunt Island. They're, they're going to try and take the children there. We're sailing our ship in. Hopefully the just the presence of a black ship will be enough for them to be like, we're fucking off. You know, we're yeah. not going to mess with this. And if not, if they do continue to go there, we're going to fight them. It's just what it's going to be. And the ship, the crew's like, fucking hell. We're, <laughs> we don't know how to do jack shit here. We're not, <laughs> we're not fighters. We're not trained. We're not, like, we don't know what we're doing. And yeah. Mia tries to get them all together, enlisting Joran's help. Joran's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but sure, we'll do the best we can. How did the, do you find out, like, the backstory of the crew members? Like, how did they all come to the... You do like, for okay. some of the key players. Not everyone, because mm-hmm. there's, like... 50 to 100 people total on on a bone ship because okay. um, they're big ships but so you do find out for okay. some of them so we'll we'll kind of talk about oh. why Joran's on the ship and we find out why Mia's is on the ship but I'm gonna be honest with you it wasn't super impressionable so I don't remember it <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> So they sail off to this island. Mm-hmm. They're going to defend it from the Gaunt Islanders who are attacking. And they're mm-hmm. all kind of shit in their pants. Like, we're going to die. But mm-hmm. our ship captain's telling us what we got to do. So we got to do it. They get there. Gaunt Island is attacking. They're not scared off by the presence of black ship. So they go into battle. They suck. They end up crashing their ship into a reef. Um, oh. And the attackers come board the ship. And they're barely able to fend them off. Like, 20 people die. But they, for the most part, survive. Mm-hmm. But... The ship's in pretty bad shape. It just crashed. So Mias is like, well, we gotta go to basically the nearest island to get fixed up before we can do anything. Mm-hmm. So they sail off to the capital island, which is the closest island to that's gonna be able to get them repaired for repairs and additional crew. Because now they're... They already weren't super crewed up because it was a shitty ship. And then they just, yeah, like, a, quite a few people just got killed. Oh, um, shitty ship. So they get to this capital... And Joran's been there before, and he's basically mm-hmm. like, I'm not super welcome here. <laughs> and, and Mia's is like, you're not the only one, like, kind of implying that she's oh, no. she's got some history there, too. Mm-hmm. And it is the capital, so her mother's there, and she's like, we're going to try and lay low because I don't want my mom to know I'm here. <laughs> and he's like, deal, whatever. But they end up getting summoned by someone, and when they go to see who it is, it's this man called Karad, and mm-hmm. both Joran and Mia's have history with him. Joran's history mm-hmm. ends up being the reason why he was sent to a black ship in the first place so Joran when he was younger he Mm -hmm. was a fisherman Mm -hmm. him and his father his mother died Mm -hmm. while giving birth to him so it's just him and his father which kind of leads us into makeup of the class system Mm. of this world so the ruling class like i said is is, are called the burn they are Mm -hmm. women who are fertile Mm -hmm. and give birth to healthy whole children and then the next level underneath them are what are called the kept which is mm-hmm. their male consorts basically fertile men Ooh. men who give them healthy babies who they kind of pick for themselves uh-huh and then after that are basically able-bodied people and then below that are disabled people so it's a very mm-hmm. ableist society where mm-hmm. if you are born with defects which is super prevalent in this world and i'm not sure at this point why this is the first book in a series so i'm not sure if it's going to be explained later but mm-hmm. being born with deformities is super common mm-hmm. and the mothers who give birth to children with deformities and then the children who are deformed are like basically lowest of the low Ugh. which is super gross yeah um it's disgusting. yes 
Joran's mother died. She is not a woman who is able to easily give birth. So Joran's kind of in like a lower class system. Living with his father as a fisherman. And Joran's father is killed during one of their fishing, fishing trips by a ship, basically, that is captained by this man Karad's son. And the son was kind of an asshole and Joran grieving his father's death. This is, uh, throughout the whole book, he's grieving his father. Mm. Father was a very noble man, taught him like all sorts of good things about life, but dad's now dead. Joran's having a really rough time with it. Joran challenges the son of Karad, who killed his father, ended up killing his father, to a battle. The son was super cocky and like was drunk during the battle. Joran ended up being able to defeat him, kills yeah. him. But it, a rumor spreads that Joran did it dishonorably, and so Joran's condemned to a black ship. Okay. So Karad, the dad of the son that Joran killed, mm-hmm. obviously not a big fan of Joran, is, and is the one who got him condemned. God. But, so this man summons Joran and Mias. This guy is basically like, Mias, why are you with Joran? Um, she's like, that's none of your concern. What do you need from us? Mm-hmm. And she has a history with him, too. They they both have these ideals that are not super popular mm-hmm. with the ruling system. So this this war with the Gaunt Islanders that's been going on for so long, mm-hmm. where they're stealing children, they're basically like, this is fucking stupid. They mm-hmm. steal our kids. We steal their kids right back. The ships that are not black ships, uh-huh. the ships that are of the fleet that are used by kind of the government, uh-huh. are all kind of powered by these lights and they're called corpse lights oh my and god so children <gasps> are killed and their basically spirits are put into these lights that quote-unquote power these ships oh and give them kind of like a ship that has a lot of corpse lights brings its crew like a lot of pride and like confidence like mm. they've got all these corpse lights they're good to go so they've been killing each other's kids for generations mm. they also have sacrifices from their own people so like like women who have many healthy children i'm not sure which like what order one of their kids gets sacrificed up as a corpse light turns out lucky mias was supposed to be that kid but when it when she was supposed to be sacrificed Mm -hmm. a huge wave came in and pulled the ship away Mm -hmm. so that's why she's called lucky mias because the sea kind of saved her horrifying yes absolutely disgusting and so (gasps) mias and karad know each other from the past because they both are like this is fucking stupid yeah they're killing our kids because we kill their kids we kill their kids because they kill our kids like it's a never-ending system yeah like this is stupid yeah and so so they've been in communication with some Gaunt Islanders who also feel the same, but it's a very unpopular opinion. So they've had to keep it on the DL. But basically, Karad tells Mias, an Arakesian has been spotted, the mm-hmm. first one in centuries. There have not been any of these sea dragons around for mm-hmm. a really long time. Mm-hmm. Some of my spies have found one, and we can't let it get out that there is one alive because this is just going to fuel the war. Both sides are going to be trying to get this Arakesian because whoever can kill it and get its bones for their ships is going to have a huge advantage because yeah. they're these huge dragons, lots of bones, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and it's just going to enhance the war, tons of death. We can't let this happen. So mm. I want you and your new black ship to mm. basically go find this Arakesian, protect it, make sure mm. no one finds out about it, get it into these nor- this far northern area mm. where the waters are super deep, and I want you to kill it there, let it sink where it's not going to be retrievable so that this war can... And sooner, we can't let this dragon be found. It would be an utter disaster. So no one gets the bones. So no one gets the bones. Okay. This war is not fueled further, Mm -hmm. and then we can keep working towards finding peace between Mm -hmm. these two nations. Joran's basically like, what the fuck? This is treason. Like, we Mm -hmm. need those bones. He doesn't quite buy into the, like, he's 
pretty anti-god islander he's like they're disgusting they oh still kind of under that brainwash and yeah. so he's like this is fucking treason but i'm on a black ship like i don't have much standby i'm a drunk i am <laughs> worthless like i what am i gonna do so he's like this is absolute treason i'm gonna hang on to this for later like i bet if you know if i can turn around and turn in mias and get us those Arcesian bones mm-hmm. then I'm going to be a hero. Yeah. Um, I'm going to redeem. My father will be so proud of me. I'll be the captain, like a true captain of a black ship. Like we're going to ignore this for now, even though this is horrible. So Mias and Joran, they, they go to the, basically like a prison and are like, Hey, you're one way out of this prison is to join a bone (laughs) ship, the ship of the dead. Any, any, any takers? Yeah. (laughs) And so they gather this crew there. Some of them are actually some of Mias' old crew who were somehow a part of whatever she did to get put on a bone ship. She ended up on a bone ship. They ended up in prison, but they're like, we love you Mias we are coming back for you yes. we got put in prison because of you we follow you to the end Aww. and so she gathers some of her old crew some new crew from the prison they all get put on this boat um, repairs are done but nice. poorly because they have to get out to go find this Arcesian uh-huh. they, so they, they're kind of under a time crunch so they bring along the shipbuilder and are like, can you like help us keep this ship together? We know it's not perfect, but please come along. We're going to sink otherwise. The yeah. shipbuilder kind of has no choice and is brought aboard as well. And then we have the final crew member brought aboard who is my favorite. Yes. I'm so excited. Um, so the final crew member is a creature called a guillaume. And a guillaume is kind of a bird-like creature. Uh-huh. Like, I honestly don't know how to describe it. It's creepy. They kind of have weird body movements. It's like uh-huh. a hairless bird. But in my head, I kind of picture it like, did you play Pokemon? A little bit. I watched the show growing up. I don't I don't even know how to say the name of the bird, but like a, a doduo? Do you, do you remember the Doduo? No. Okay, so they're like this long-legged... They have two heads in Pokemon, but the, the uh, Guillaume only has one. But uh-huh. like kind of like that. Oh, Where yeah. it's like got these long, skinny, hairless legs. like, And then it's got its body. <laughs> Guillaume's are hairless. but And then it's got like a long neck and then a ferocious beak. Uh-huh. And it also has hairless wings that have like clawed little hand-type things on the end. So it's like a featherless emu. Yes. Kind, yes. Okay. Yeah. With like With a really heads. intense beak. Yes. With, no, they only have one head. Oh, sorry. In my head, I just pictured it like a single, a single headed, yeah, <laughs> a single headed doduo. <laughs> Uno, um, <well>. yeah. <laughs> yes, Uno, Uno, yeah. Uno. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. So it's a bigger, a yes, bigger featherless. Yes. Bird. bird yes okay cool. and every ship of the fleet has at least one guillaume on board they're super important because they are what are called wind talkers so they can kind of control the wind but it's super painful for them to do so so they're kind of slaves aboard these ships Ugh. um Sad. yes absolutely and they're also blinded at birth and it's for the good of these own guillaumes because oh they'd wander on their own if otherwise and it'd be dangerous so we're gonna blind them and in and trap them on these ships and they have to control the wind for us otherwise we kill them absolutely Mm. horrible and the way that guillaumes gather the power for their wind abilities is through what's called wind spires which are these ancient kind of structures that for whatever reason uh, infuse guillaumes with their power so every ship usually has one aboard black ships 
typically do not have any. Black ships typically don't get one because of the ships of the dead. They don't get corpse lights. They don't get guillaumes. But for whatever reason, this black ship has one. This guillaume is ornery as fuck. He's yes. like, fuck no, I'm not gonna obey. So they're blinded and they have like blindfolds on at all times. So they, they're oh. like physically blinded where their eye, their eyeballs are removed. But and then they, oh. and like as a representation of that, they all have these kind of blindfolds Please. on. But this one's ornery as fuck. Yes. He's like, I'm not gonna do what you say. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. It basically comes on board. Mias talks to it and is like, hey, like, will you, will you work for me? It's like, no. Runs down below deck. And Mias is like, do I kill it? Like, what do I do? But she decides not to. She's like, it is what it is. We'll work on it. Yeah. <laughs> and so she kind of tasks Joran with befriending this bird. And so Joran kind of goes to it and they're they move like in really kind of unsettling ways. Ooh. So Joran's kind of disgusted by it. He's like, this thing gross. They have this weird <laughs> smell that he describes as smelling like hot sand. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. And so it's whole, it has like its own kind of like little lair or cabin below decks where Aww. it's kind of disorderly. It smells like hot sand. <laughs> Joran's like, I do not want to be down here with this thing. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, hey, so what What do you want? Mm-hmm. What do you want? Like everyone aboard this ship is given, you know, pay that they can send home, food. I understand you're not giving anything. What do you want? And the Guillaume's like, what do I want? Like, no one asks me that. And Joran's like, I know. Mias, and Mias is like, I also want to know what you want. Like, tell me what you want. Like, what can we do for you in exchange for your your services aboard this ship? This Guillaume's like, I would like some dust. I would like some string. I would like some cloth and needles. And then a few other kind of like basic things, like some shiny rocks, some, some feathers. And so cute. Yeah, I know. Joran and Mia's kind of look at each other and they're like, okay, we're aboard a ship right now, um, but we'll do what we can. Like, we'll get yeah. what we can. Like, we'll work on it. And so the Guillaume's like, okay, I will give you ship to get out of this, har- or I'll, I will give you wind to get the ship out of this harbor. And Mia's is like, okay, but you haven't been to a windspire in a really long time. Like, let's get you to one before we leave. And the Guillaume's like, no, I'm good. And just wind. And this is super rare because usually Guillaume's need to be at a windspire, like, super regularly and Mia's is like what the fuck like you're you how did you just do that Uh and this Guillaume's like I I don't know I'm I'm strong basically and um (laughs) Mia's is like how long has it been since you've been to a windspire he's like it's been six months and she's like that is unheard of like and so she's basically like holy shit we have like a one of the most powerful Guillaume's I've ever heard of yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not sure why, but they're like, we're down for it. So they sail off, and the Guillaume goes below deck, mm-hmm. where it kind of lives. And Joran gathers gathers up some of the things that it, this Guillaume wants. He brings it some dust, some like a little pile of dust, <laughs> um, some cloth and string. When he goes down and brings it, he's like, Guillaume, I have I have these things for you. And the Guillaume is so fucking excited. It's like for me, for me, oh. and it like goes and it. <laughs> It's so happy in its own strange little, like, kind of disjointed moving way. Uh-huh. And what makes it the most happy is Joran, Joran brings him this, like, little comb that he had asked, that the Guillaume had asked for a comb. And Joran's like, I'm sorry it's broken, but the, the Guillaume, because it's, like, you know, cracked and, uh-huh. you know, doesn't have all of its teeth. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. Guillaume just so tenderly just, like, picks up this comb <gasps> and just starts. Oh, it's just, like, the sweetest little thing. That's and I'm like, so oh, my cute. God. And then at the end of this interaction, the Guillaume kind of looks at Joran and asks him if he's sad. And Joran says, sad? And like, what? Sad? Like, what do you mean? Am I sad? Uh What? And the Guillaume's like, you smell lonely. It's not a good smell. 
And Joran's like, and you would know? Like, what do you mean? And (laughs) the Guillaume just says, yes, yes, I know. I know what it's like to be lonely and sad. And I'm just like, my heart is like cracking for this little bird creature. I am a Guillaume stan. I will die for the Guillaume. I don't care. I love this little creature. Anyway, time goes on. They're kind of sailing out. They had arranged to meet with two Gaunt Islander ships who are also aligning with the idea like we need to stop this war and this is like the first meeting of like a hundred islander hundred islanders people and gaunt island people in not like a hostile manner so Uh mias and joran are like we got to keep this under wraps our crew cannot know that these are gaunt island people we're gonna tell them that they're just they're just another fleet and the gaunt islander captains have agreed to do the same with theirs so neither side knows the crew doesn't know that they're working with the other side so they team up and they go looking for the arakesian and we see a lot of the kind of inner workings of the ship as Mias is kind of training up the crew, kind of mm-hmm. pulling them together. You see them all kind of start to be more of a team. Um, you, get, you get to know certain members of the crew, and like it's like a little found family as everyone kind of comes up. There's obviously like a few Ugh. people who are still like, fuck this, like this is, I'm, I refuse yeah. to be blah, 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 blah. They're, you know, pissy. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you see the ship coming together mm-hmm. and becoming a crew. The ship is working better. They're learning how to fight, learning how to work their huge bows that they have on ship that are for battles, Um, learning how to do all the riggings, do the sails, and really bring the ship together when they finally spot the Arakesian. It was really sweet because one of of the crew that's like really dedicated to Joran, this little girl named Ferris, um, she's young, she's disfigured, she was burned in a fire when she was younger and has been sent to live on on board of a black ship, but she's like really young and she just absolutely loves Joran and will follow him. And so she's up in the kind of lookout post Mm -hmm. and Joran's up there with her at one point and he's like, it'd be really great if one of my people spotted the Arakesian, like keep keep your eyes peeled up here because he's kind of got his little band of followers that are like kind of closer to him than the rest Uh of the crew. And she really takes this to heart and their their watches are only supposed to be a couple hours so that their mm-hmm. eyes kind of remain fresh as they're looking to spot this Arakesian. Right. But she refuses to come down all night. She's like, I, he said that he wants one of his crew to be one of the oh. ones to spot it, so I'm going to be the one to spot it. Paris. And Jordan's like, should I, to me, as he's like, should I order her to come down? Like, her eyes are going to get tired. And she's like, let her, let her have some time up there and then, yes, go up there. But give yeah. her, you know, give her, give her a chance. And it ends up being her who spots the Arakesian <gasps> and she's so super excited. But they spot it out in the distance and this thing is massive. Like at first she thought it was like an underground reef that was just, you know, Whoa. like this discolored area of water. Uh-huh. But it's the Arakesian. It's wow. huge. It's got like multiple eyes all over its head. Uh, and I almost wonder why they had like... They have this image on the cover, but that's, like, not how they're described in the book of, at all, which I think is interesting. Yeah, um, the cover looks like a vanilla dragon. Right, yeah, no. Yeah. Th- these dragons have, like, beaks, like, huge beaks. They have, like, multiple eyes oh. all over their head. Oh, that's so gross. I know. And they're just absolutely huge. So Weird. they spot it, and they're all super stoked. Like, oh, my God, we've seen the first Arakesian in, the his- in, like, the centuries. We're going to go down in history. This is amazing. Uh-huh. They're stoked. But lo and behold, there's like a couple ships following the Arakesian and they're like, fuck, we got to get rid of these ships because they're yeah. obviously here to kill the Arakesian. We can't let it get out that the Arakesian's back. Right. So they, them and the two Gaunt Island, Islander ships go into battle. And in this battle, the Guillaume comes up and lends its wind. And as I said, using that magic, pulling out the wind is super painful for the Guillaume. And 
but the Guillaume's like, this is for my, for the sister in the water. This is for the sister. Mm-hmm. And this Guillaume like loves the Arachesian. It's like, we can't let anything happen to the Arachesian. Mias and Joran are going to save it. So I'm giving my wind. I'm giving all my wind. It collapses on the deck. Oh. And um, we're unsure at this point if it's dead or not, but it is unmoving, not breathing, nothing. Mm-hmm. And they do end up um, making it out of the battle, protecting the Arachesian. And so Mias and Joran had told the crew at a certain point, like, we are hunting an Arachesian, but they lied and they said, we're taking it to safety because if there's one Arachesian, there are going to be many more. Yeah. And we can't kill this one because if there's a male, what if they procreate and then there are going to be more Arachesians? We're going to bring them back. So they're mm-hmm. lying. They're, they're not telling them they're going to kill it. Mm-hmm. They're framing it as we're doing this for the government. Like we need more Arachesians mm-hmm. so we can build up our fleet basically. So that's what the crew is operating under. I don't know why I chose to tell that right there. But anyway, the Guillaume <laughs> collapses. Um, Joram brings, brings it below deck and they decide like we can't tell the crew that our Guillaume is is in, in like dead where you're gonna whether or not it is dead or not you're gonna come down here daily and nurse it you know so he spends all this time with this body that he's not sure if it's alive or dead and he puts water down its throat and massages massages the gullet to kind of oh. help the water go down oh. um gives it little bits of food does whatever it, he can for this guillaume to try and keep it alive even though he can't tell if it's alive or not it gives no signs of life for weeks until one day Joran is down there and the blindfold has kind of slipped off and he looks at it and he realizes that, that there's an eye watching him and he's like this Guillaume has its eyes what like what the fuck is happening what and the Guillaume kind of closes his eye again and Joran fixes the the blindfold, blindfold back on and is like I'm not gonna tell anyone I'm not gonna yes. tell anyone and hopefully this Guillaume will come back and there's several more kind of like important battles and the crew kind of pulls itself together uh mm-hmm. and really becomes a team but there's always this kind of overlooming question of will they kill the Arachesian in the end yeah will they save it will they you will they use its bones yeah what's kind of gonna happen here that's kind of where I'm gonna leave it mm-hmm the Guillaume's not dead, spoiler alert. Yes. Um, but there's a lot that kind of happens in the end to kind of pull it all together. I really, really liked this book a lot. Good. Um, I, and I was not really expecting to, but like the found family of the crew, oh. like I would fucking, I would, I would die to be a part of Mia's crew. That's like amazing. she's in a like an excellent captain. Mm. She builds up her crew so much. She builds up Jorn. Jorn like you know quits drinking and really starts to take pride in his work. And you can see the crew doing the same. And oh. like it's just subtly building confidence throughout the whole crew. I love that. I also really loved how like female forward this book was. Oh yeah. The rulers of the ship, whether they're male or female, are called the ship wives. Mm-hmm. It's a female ruling class. The ships are he's, which is like a twist on the traditional, like, ships are women, or her, she, Uh you know. And there's a lot of subtle things that, because it's a matriarchal society, Mm -hmm. the author does a really good job of, like, shifting language in just subtle ways that really make it believable. Like, Mias will always say, like, okay, my girls and boys, like, putting girls in front of first. Like, she calls her her crew her girls and boys, and Uh it's just... I, it was really great and really fun to read. I also really enjoyed the weird ecology in this. The main plants that are on this in this world are Barisks and Gion, and they're like bright pink and purple plants. So most of the islands are bright pink and purple. Oh um, yes, and like so fun. I know. I love that. And all of the 
like monsters that are in the sea like there's various creatures and they're all new and like really cool descriptions and i just really loved it it really there were like several points where i was like tearing up over the found family like little teens and oh it was so good i gave it a 4.5 out of 5 i really really enjoyed it i it probably would have been a 5 out of 5 to me for Uh me but and Rusty got really annoyed for, with me throughout as I was reading this book. Uh-huh. I don't know if this happens to you, but if there are, like, typos, it really pulls me out of the book. Oh, shit. Were there? There were a lot of typos. Why? Why were there so many? I don't know. Like, it's traditionally published. It's through Orbit, which is, like, a huge publishing company. Uh-huh. Um, but there were, like, tons of places where, like, there are multiple they-they or the the or like multiple like repeating words what? or like misspelled words or there's a point at the very end where it's mostly told in past tense but then uh-huh. for like two paragraphs it switches to present tense and i'm like what the fuck happened here where's right. the editor like what I is know. happening and i was really annoyed yeah it really pulled me out because yeah. like every 20 pages or so there was a typo and i'm like usually i'll find maybe one or two in an entire book yeah and so that really pulls me out and i, w- I was yeah super confused as to why yeah like what happened did you look at who edited i did not um it's also like a it's a first the copy i have is first edition so i was like maybe it wasn't like maybe it was originally traditionally published and it like didn't have an editor and they just took that and went straight forward wild Um, yeah so that's why it's 4.5 for me is just because i was really taken out of yeah what was going on by these typos yeah well frustrating yeah that totally makes sense though because i feel like it does kind of pull you out and then it's like you have to reread that sentence like four times to be like wait am i crazy or is this wrong exactly and then you have to like read it process and then be like wait where was i and then just like exactly yeah no yeah that that is frustrating and it has it's nothing against the author like no. the, i'm like that's not their job that's the editors the editors I know. and the publisher editors. get it together get it together man <laughs> oh. um but otherwise really loved it hopefully it's Dang. fixed in like later editions but it's one of those books where usually when i start a book in a series like i'll read one book uh-huh. and then i'll read a couple books in between and then like you know maybe a couple months later come back to the second book but i love this so much that i like i'm going to montana uh-huh. tomorrow i'm bringing the second book with me because i'm like i just want to read the second book right away yeah. i just i loved it and it's a um, trilogy the trilogy yeah okay, nice mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. so exciting yeah i was very excited about this one i liked it a lot that and i love awesome. the seafaring like oh you know there's descriptions of the smell of the sea and the wind in the air yeah. and it just felt very wholesome to me even though a lot of the content was not very wholesome <laughs> yeah no i love that yeah. that's that sounds really good and yeah. also just the creative aspects of it too it was very creative yeah it just sounds like they add a lot of fresh spins Mm -hmm. even like the how the shipwives are like oftentimes like male and Mm -hmm. like yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's really cool yeah it was very cool very fun dang do recommend if you would like to read it yeah okay but i will admit i forgot a would you rather oh you're fine we're gonna do a quick google Pause, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> please hold. <laughs> Would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button in your life? Oh, pause. Oh, that was fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Easily. And why? Uh, you could not pay me enough to relive my past. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. I love that. <laughs> could not do it. Would not do it. Hate it. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, so grateful for just 
growing up and growing out of certain experiences mm-hmm. like you know hindsight's twenty twenty yeah. in so many ways I, I wouldn't do it couldn't okay. do it gross and then pause like I'm always wishing for more time right always there are not enough hours in the day mm-hmm. I I always want to do everything all the time yeah and yeah I would much rather buy more time then go back and yeah change i also feel like having a rewind button would then for anyone who's even close to like a perfectionist or like socially awkward you'd be oh trying to go back God. and fix everything and it would just lead to so much anxiety yes. i feel like like yeah. it would i mean there there's already enough social anxiety but with not having to go back and try and perfect every moment and like yeah shoot i wish i hadn't said that rewind wait that wasn't good either rewind wait yeah like, i just It's so true. Well, and it's also that thing of, like, not really knowing how rewinding and fixing it is going to, like, yeah, Yeah. like, trigger other events. Yeah, for sure. But, okay, so you would also choose pause? I think I would also choose pause, yeah. Yeah. I think that would just be much more healthy. And for the same reasons, I think it would, that you'd just be able to get so much more out of, you know, life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I I feel like it's hard to, because I feel like, I I genuinely look forward to getting older, which is Mm -hmm. weird. And that only started happening, I feel like, once I got older. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, I'm actually very excited to be, like, in my 40s to have less pressure to be everything all the time and like I'm actually excited low-key like when I arrive I'm kind of excited for death a little bit (laughs) it's gonna be great I mean I'm not like oh I love that I'm not in a rush rare for it but but I'm like that's gonna be nice to finally feel like I can rest (laughs) oh god what does that say about (laughs) but but to pause would be that'd be nice yeah I'd like that I'm on the same page yeah would I okay uh, would you rather occur to me too that I'm curious about would you rather be the villain in a story or be like the final survivor of like a serial killer slasher-esque story what kind of villain would I be I don't know like would I have to be a murderer potentially (laughs) you have to be a despicable villain like you have to be an unlikable villain that's tough because to be the final survivor yeah. Oh my god, the guilt. And the trauma for life. And the trauma <laughs> for life. Yeah. <laughs> so much money would be going to therapy. Yeah, yeah. All the therapy money. All therapy funds. <laughs> I think I'd have to pick that, though. I yeah. can't imagine doing despicable things. Yeah, it's a killer be killed. Yeah. But what if it was for a cause? Like, like I'm an environmentalist and I'm killing all the corporate elite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now we're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, slasher status, like, brutal. <laughs> it has to be, like, a brutal death. It could be the villain in Donald Trump's story. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. I, I love to read that. I don't think I could kill, even for a greater good, I don't think I could kill innocents. At least not me personally. What are your brutal. thoughts? I don't know. Because, like, a part of me is like, oh, my God. Like, therapy is already so much work. And then when I think about all the therapy I would need for... And just, like, oh, my God. Like, and what if what if it was, like, Kyle and your family who had to die? Yeah. Yeah. And that's... Oh, my God. It's so horrible. Like, would I even want to go on after that? Yeah. I probably wouldn't. Mm-mm. Well, and I think of, like, like in the movie uh, Psycho, Janet Lee, the lady in the shower that's like, ah! And like that, you know. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but oh <laughs> I mean, you don't have to now. <laughs> She's 
so she's you know like the famous shower scene where she turns yeah. around and yeah i was reading that like she legit like could not shower for like what? months after yeah. filming because it's so jarring right and like it was just horrifying so like i think about her as like an actor in a horror movie being like to have that in real life yeah like oh god yeah i can do it yeah so you'd maybe be the villain potentially but i need to find you need to tell me exactly what my villain arc was before before you accepted the role (laughs) who do i have to kill yeah yeah and how does it end and what is what is the reason yeah what is their crime exactly exactly i like a little vigilante justice i'm okay with that but is that truly a villain no but like the more i like watch those movies like, the superhero movies and stuff at, that I would watch as a kid, as an uh-huh. adult. Like, some of them, I'm like, okay, but they're actually not so bad, the villains. Like, yes. I totally get where you're coming from. Also, we love a broody anti-hero. Yeah, right? Like, a morally hello. gray character? Oh, yes. <laughs> I saw this thing that was like, my favorite color is morally gray. And I yeah. was like, damn, wow, I like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So, probably the villain. But... Either way. We would rather, rather be, be reading. reading. <laughs> <laughs>